You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network, but we've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What is up, guys? A special welcome to all of our new listeners today. We really appreciate you guys checking out the show, and a special thank you as well to all of our loyal listeners checking back in with us today. If you guys don't already, make sure to go subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from because it's a daily show. That's the easiest and fastest way to get it, and you can get it wherever you get your podcast from. But we do have a fun show for you guys today because we found a lot of different things to talk about for today's show. So we are going to get into Matthew Stafford and that trade that went down between the Rams and the Lions and just talk about the Rams, you know, trying to continue their stranglehold as far as their foothold in Los Angeles and trying to gain the fans of Los Angeles, as well as the Broncos holding on to Drew Locke instead of potentially trying to go for Matthew Stafford and much more. And then another thing that we saw that was floating around social media is Orlando Brown Jr. because he did put on Twitter that he wants to be a left tackle. So we'll talk about, you know, what we would give up to bring a left tackle to the Chargers with all of their offensive line needs. But we are going to start the show with a new coach. We've been getting him left and right. And today it's Kevin Coger who's coming in to be the Chargers tight end coach. So we're going to start with that and talk about his extensive background and another guy that's done a lot of different things. So let's go ahead and get into it. According to Packers ESPN writer Rob Domofsky, the Chargers have signed Kevin Coger, the Packers offensive quality control assistant, to be their new tight ends coach. He was focusing on tight ends when he was with the Packers, and obviously Robert Tanyan was one of the best tight ends in the league this year. So he is coming in from something that he's done a lot, and it's another guy that's really had mostly college experience. He's been doing that with the Packers for the last two seasons. But before that, he was the wide receivers coach and for one year, a special teams coordinator for Eastern Kentucky. And he's also moved around a bunch of other spots in the college ranks, David. So what did you think, first of all, when you looked into the Chargers new tight ends coach? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I looked at was, you know, just where he's been and what he's done. And this is another coach that has uh, several different disciplines that he's applied his coaching, you know, chops to, you know, tight end coach, wide receiver coach. I mean, worked with the offensive line, worked with special teams. I mean, this is another guy that is, you know, has dabbled in in many different football disciplines. So it just seems like that's a trend for this Chargers coaching staff. Is you look across the board on these, you know, on all these coaching, all these coaches that are the Chargers are bringing in that Brandon Staley is hiring, and all, a lot of them are young, and a lot of them have, you know, a lot of college experience, not so much pro experience, but a lot of different avenues that they've applied their trade as a coach so that's very interesting to see also you know this guy was a former big 10 honorable mention from 2011 played the position in tight end and did fairly well i mean not big stats but 10.6 yards per reception four touchdowns i thought that was a uh, pretty interesting as well but uh, i think the biggest thing that stood out to me is this, this guy's 31 years old i mean he's 31 years old and he's already a tight ends coach in the nfl his trajectory, like most of the other coaches that Brandon Staley has brought in, seems to be uh, on the way up. 
Yeah, absolutely. And he was a four-year letterman, three-year starter for the Michigan Wolverines between 2000 and 2011. So another college football player as well. A lot of these coaches have been. I'm just surprised he wasn't a quarterback at some point. But when you're looking for the links between him and Brandon Staley, I think what you would look at is just the fact that this is someone that kind of comes indirectly from the McVay coaching tree because obviously Matt LaFleur came from Sean McVay with the Rams. He's now with the Packers. Obviously, this guy is now with the Packers and they all run a kind of Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan type of offense. So I think they all come from that type of offense and the Chargers obviously got Shane Day to be their new quarterbacks coach. So there is a theme there, but no real direct correlations. But I do think it was also interesting because he's also been a special teams coordinator, David. So it seems like this is going to be a very hand in hand process. It seems like coaches are going to be helping out in different places, at least if we can read into their past that way. And I do think that, you know, he will also be helping out on the special teams as well as, you know, getting the tight ends ready and helping out the receivers and all of the above. Yeah, well, you have a, a guy in Joe Lombardi who is an offensive coordinator for the second time uh, after, you know, not doing so well the first time. So maybe this is just, you know, adding to his staff and a guy who's versatile, who uh, has uh, experience coaching different disciplines who can help him out. Dan, you'd also uh, probably expect him to work pretty closely with Frank Smith, who was brought in to be the, the running game coordinator, who is also a former tight ends coach for the uh, Raiders. So I would expect a lot of collaboration, like you said. Yeah, between the two of them, they have had some pretty talented tight ends. And I think it's nice to see a lot of young coaches coming onto this coaching staff, a lot of guys that can kind of grow with the organization, getting big opportunities. And it does just seem like wherever we see these coaches out, we've seen some really good players as well. And the other thing is, is he's also worked with some offensive linemen too. So he and Frank Smith will definitely be close. You think that Frank Smith will have some sort of say what's going with what's going on with the tight end, just because how good of a job he did with Darren Waller and guys like Martellus Bennett and many more. Now you have this guy who might be helping out on special teams. And I think that you're getting a good collaborative effort and guys that really kind of know what the other guys do. Right. So I do think that is something that is very interesting with this, and I do think it's another guy that is going to bring a unique perspective with him and coming from a very good offense with the Packers, too. So another pretty experienced coach, not a ton of NFL experience, but he's just going to be one of the few really young guys to get opportunities under Brandon Staley, and you have to like kind of what he has put together at this point. Obviously, it has to all play out on the field, but I do like the direction they're going with it, getting guys who have done a lot of things. Now, this is another guy with wide receiver and tight ends and offensive lines he's coached. So they keep on melding all of these guys together, and we'll see how it works out. But we do have two more segments to get into. We're going to get into what we would give up potentially for Orlando Brown Jr. to get traded to the Chargers and what that cap situation would be like if they wanted to extend him, as well as getting into that Matthew Stafford trade and how that affected the Chargers coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is BetOnline.ag. And right now, guys, it's a great time to get in before the season ends. There's one more big Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday is coming up. And if you're looking for the place that has the best prop bets, if you want to pick your player to get a touchdown and get really crazy odds on that last year, I remember I hit on Kyle Juszczyk getting into the end zone. So that was a fun one. Got a pretty nice payout for that. And you can find a ton of different options for what you want to bet on on Super Bowl Sunday. And it really is going to make it that much more fun. And so that's great food. Getting to bet on it, having some juice on the game. I mean, everyone needs that on the last Sunday of football season. And betonline.ag is the one place that we trust 
and the one place that has you covered. And if you guys go sign up for a free account at betonline.ag, you can use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. That's free money you guys could be using to bet on the Super Bowl with your free welcome bonus. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On, all caps, one word. So one of the things that has definitely been circulating Chargers Twitter lately is the potential of them bringing in Orlando Brown Jr., who doesn't seem to be happy with his situation in Baltimore because last year he did have to come in and take over for Ronnie Stanley, who is universally regarded as one of the best left tackles in the NFL. And Brown came in and did a really good job, and now he is putting on Twitter, I'm a left tackle. You've also had reporters like Jason Luck and Forb saying, based on Orlando Brown's tweet, the Ravens' top money deal with left tackle Ronnie Stanley, and what I'm hearing from sources, Brown is likely only interested in playing left tackle, and his days in Baltimore are likely numbered. Trade may be the only solution, and this is something that the Chargers kind of have to be interested in, right? I mean, their left tackle last year was Sam Tevy, right? And he's not even coming back potentially because he's an unrestricted free agent, and I think we would all like to have an upgrade on one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL last season, David. So I think this is something just off the bat. I mean, the Chargers absolutely should be interested in looking at potentially trading for Orlando Brand Jr. Absolutely, they should be in on this. There's no question about it. I mean, I think finally this offseason, Tom Telesco didn't sweep the offensive line under the rug. He publicly acknowledged that they need to inject more talent in that position. So hopefully he is picking up the phone and he is talking to Eric DaCosta of the Ravens and saying, Hey man, what is it going to take, you know, for me to take that problem off your hands so you can, you know, keep that locker room in good shape and, you know, we can get ourselves a good asset. What is it going to take? They absolutely should be on the phone with this, Daniel. I mean, he comes in and immediately he is the best offensive lineman arguably on the chargers yeah i mean the only one that'd be in competition for that is, is brian bulaga obviously but orlando brown jr in his time at right tackle was pretty much just as good as brian bulaga but now we only have a very limited sample size of what he was able to do at left tackle last season when ronnie stanley went down and it was pretty good don't get me wrong but the chargers then the question becomes what would it take for you to get him and how far are you willing to go as far as the pick you're willing to give up I mean I think everyone can sit here and be like yeah I trade a third round pick for him right and the hard thing about this is is we don't have a lot of big time offensive line trades to look at and the ones we do have are very different I mean you have the Laramie Tunsil trade where it's two first round picks from the Dolphins to the Texans that was obviously a pretty steep price But then you also have Trent Williams, who ends up going for a third and a fifth round pick to go to the San Francisco 49ers. Those are guys at two different points in their careers. Trent Williams is obviously much older, but at the same time, there's no real consistency here. If they want to trade him, how much leverage do they have? So, David, where would you be willing to draw the line as far as what pick you'd be willing to give up for Orlando Brown Jr.? Yeah, so for me, I'm not looking at a first round pick at all. I'm I'm really not interested in that. So if you're saying, oh, you know, let's give up 13, no, not at all. Sorry, I have no interest in that whatsoever. But I am willing to consider a second, and you know, if if I have to, possibly throw in one of our extra third round picks that the Chargers have. That way, we're not compromising the entire draft because we know that there's several positions that need to be addressed. It's not just the offensive line. There are other things that need to be taken care of. So I don't want to to compromise too much of the draft capital, but I would go a second and possibly a third if it would get the deal done because 
you know, the Chargers are in a unique position right now, Daniel, where they have a quarterback on a rookie contract. It's very affordable, and they have some cap space. They have the ability, you know, depending on what free agency moves that they make, they could potentially, you know, re-sign him to a pretty decent contract if they feel prudent to do so now or, you know, wait it out and see how he does and re-sign him after the season. But, you know, if he does well, the contract could very well go very, very up. The contract could go up quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a reason he wants to be a left tackle because left tackles get paid more, right? I mean, the average left tackle price in the NFL is $16.59 million according to Spotrack. The average right tackle price is $11.23 million. So, I mean, that's a pretty big difference. There are some guys that have made a lot of money playing right tackle. I mean, we saw the giant contract that Trent Brown got. That was at $16.5 million. We have seen guys that have signed for pretty big deals. Jack Conklin just got $14 million. Lane Johnson gets paid $18 million. That's more than all but three left tackles, but... There's six different left tackles that make more than $15 million. There's only two right tackles that make that much. So you're looking at somewhere around 16 to $20 million probably as far as what that contract's going to cost. You would still get Orlando Brown with one more low year, about $3 million in 2021. But at the same time, you only really probably make this trade if you have that deal in place to get the extension done. Because if not, it's a one-year rental, and that makes it a totally different story. So I think if the Chargers were to bring him in, you would have him at left tackle. You'd probably give him an extension right away, and you'd have to decide whether what you saw in that small stretch of him playing left, left tackle last season, David, is sustainable. So I do think for me, I would, I would definitely part with a second-round pick. I think... The first round pick, I know you're super against it, but I think you'd at least have to consider it. I'm not saying you do it, but if you have a chance to lock up a left tackle that you think is a really good player right now, a guy who's made the Pro Bowl a couple of times already in his short career, and you can sign that guy to you know a five-year extension or a four-year extension, is that worth your first round pick? Maybe it is, because guess what? You just already have your starting left tackle. You're not guessing on a prospect with the 13th overall pick where you don't even know if you're getting one of the top three or four guys, depending on how the draft plays out. So it is very interesting, but I definitely, for a guy like that that came in and played well, I don't blame him for trying to move to the left tackle because that's obviously, like I just told you, the position that makes much more money. So would you give up a one? Like, seriously, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i thinking about it. I mean, I'm starting to, to warm up potentially to the idea, but it's just like you said, I mean, he only has limited snaps at left tackle, and that's where you're trying to bring him in. You already got Brian Belaga for another couple of years, although there is a ripcord after the second year of his contract. But, you know, I don't know, man. It's just hard for me to – I mean, I guess, you know, you think about it. You know, the Chargers have done fairly well in the first round. Well, at least I'd say it's been hit and hit and miss, right? There have been a couple of no-brainers like Joey Bosa and Darwin James, but there's been a couple others, you know, like Jerry Tillery, who the, the jury's still out on. Kenneth Murray looks pretty decent, but they haven't done very well in the back end of the draft. You know, the, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks, they haven't been great there. You know, they haven't been really able to build depth. So maybe they do subscribe to the philosophy of getting rid of the first for an, an established talent, especially a guy who's... 25 years old and an absolute mountain of a man, six foot eight, 340 plus pounds. 
he, uh, like I said before, comes in and is immediately the best left tackle on the team. And also, I mean, one thing I, I do like is he's improved every single year that he's been in the league. So you like that ability to, to grow and improve, and you need that. You need somebody who's going to be able to protect Justin Herbert's blind side. I mean, that give you a, give you a pretty nice comfort level knowing that that side is going to be secured and Justin Herbert's not going to have to be so great under pressure. He's going to have some time back there to make some great throws and make some plays and push the ball down the field. One the other part of it is is what can you still get if you use your first-round pick to go and get Orlando Brown Jr.? And I think that obviously comes with the extension. You'd still have a second-round pick. You'd still have two third-round picks, including the compensatory pick for the 2021 draft. You could still go out and potentially even draft another offensive lineman on the interior. Maybe you go after someone like a Quinn Mainers, you know, or you go after someone like a Creed Humphrey Someone along those lines, even Robert Hainsey, who had an impressive senior bowl week. So I think that obviously the offensive line would be tremendously upgraded if you had Orlando Brown Jr. on it. So I think you'd have to at least consider, especially when it comes with the extension, you know you're going to solidify that position for the next five years just about. And I think it also kind of links into our next conversation of, you know, the Rams really trying to go and win it right now and trying to take the most out of their window using draft picks to go do it if the Chargers really wanted to help themselves and help actually rebuild that offensive line I think they would do whatever they could to bring in somebody like Orlando Brown Jr. because you're getting a proven talent a guy that obviously you're taking a risk of him moving over but he has shown that he obviously belongs in the league and even if he played top 15 for the length of his contract I think that's still definitely worth it just with how bad that position has been for it so I definitely think it's something interesting and something entertaining but we don't know if the Ravens could be like hey Listen, you can keep playing right tackle with this, but we'll give you a Lane Johnson type deal where you're making left tackle money, you know, and really keep the band together there. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and if he stays with the Ravens. But there's some people that are saying it's almost a done deal at this point that he's going to be moved during this offseason. So it's going to be an exciting time. The Chargers don't usually make moves like that. That'd be a chance for them to make a big move and try to really put their money where their mouth is as far as rebuilding this offensive line. But we do have one more segment to get into. We are going to get into that Matt Stafford for Jared Goff and a heist full of picks coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that if you need any type of auto part, you have to use rockauto.com. It's the only place that I use. I actually had to use it today to order a new alternator for my fiance's car. She got stranded on the side of the road. I had to go get her. And now we have a new alternator for her Camry coming in from rockauto.com. Obviously got a great price on it because with rock auto you're always going to get the best price it's the same price for any daily driver or for any professional mechanic whoever it is you're you're going to go into it knowing you're going to get the best price and that's awesome and the other thing is is you don't have to go to any stores i don't have to go try to search for it at any chain store i know it's just going to get delivered right to my door and all you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in their hatters you hear about us box so they know we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I also need to tell you guys that no two people are alike and no two tax returns are alike either. So thankfully, TurboTax Live is experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you, learn about your unique tax situation, and help you get the best tax outcome. Maybe you got married this year and you have some questions about how that affects your filing status. Maybe you want an expert to review your return so you don't miss any deductions on the new house you just bought. Or maybe
maybe you just want to hand the whole thing off from start to finish so you can focus on your burgeoning baby photographer career. Whether you want to file with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you, TurboTax Live Tax Experts give you the confidence to know your uniquely you taxes are done right. Into it, TurboTax Live. All right, so to wrap up the show, one thing that isn't directly Chargers related, but I think you're going to get later on how it kind of did affect the Chargers, at least Matthew Stafford moving in the big domino falling in a offseason where some people think a ton of quarterbacks are going to be trading places. In this case, it is Matthew Stafford moving to the Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff and not one but two first-round picks in 2022 and 2023, as well as a 2021 third-round pick. And this is crazy, David. I think it's unprecedented. I mean, the Rams are going to go seven consecutive years without a first-round pick. And over and over again during Sean McVay's tenure and during their current front office's tenure, they've been... Going for it nonstop, they make aggressive trades, they trade away first round picks, and really what they're doing here is, I mean, they're saying, hey, those could be super late first round picks anyways, right? That's at least the sell from the Rams, and they think they get out of the quarterback purgatory of Jared Goff, who maybe wasn't going to get them to where they wanted to go. Obviously, he went to a Super Bowl, David. I've seen people have very mixed feelings about it, but just as far as the trade to start with, what did you think about it? I mean, really, it was just shock. I was like, holy man, wow, really, the Rams? I mean, I just didn't see that. To my naiveness, I did not know that there was some strife there between Jared Groff and Sean McVay. You know, they came out with a piece from Steve Weish who talked about how, you know, there's been, you know, some some ugliness there between McVay and Goff and where they really weren't on the same page and, you know, the I guess this is what happens. I mean, when you're when your young head coach says, "Hey, I'm I'm done. You know, I gotta get somebody else." I guess your your general manager, you know, starts to get on the war path to try to make make that happen to get to get somebody else in here. And when Matthew Stafford, you know, made it publicly clear that he was looking for a trade, uh, it seemed like he had several suitors. And honestly, I just didn't see this move. I just didn't expect it. So wow, a lot of draft capital there. Two first rounders, a third, and Jared Goff. For Matthew Stafford, I mean, this is clearly a, hey, I'm, I'm trying to win right now. I'm trying to fill up SoFi Stadium. I'm trying to capture more uh, hearts and minds of our you know new fan base in Los Angeles. This is what that move screams to me. It's, hey, I, I need to go win, and I need to go win right now. I mean, it's definitely a win-now move. And I think if you have followed or kind of read between the lines as far as what that relationship has been, at least lately between those two guys, I know the Locked on Rams host, Sosa has kind of been all over that and saying like, hey, it's a little bit worse than it seems on the outside. So I think the other part of it is is there's some sentiment of Sean McVay was getting the most he possibly could out of Jared Goff. And the problems offensively were Jared Goff's fault. And I mean, if you watch them, I mean, he was a very frustrating quarterback to watch. A lot of fumbles. He definitely seemed to make bad decisions when he got sped up. And his deep ball totally disappeared on him the last couple of years. So I don't blame the Rams for going out and finding a guy that I do think is significantly better than Jared Goff. And I'm definitely under the impression that some of those picks that were given up were definitely to move that Jared Goff contract, who is, you know, one of the top earners in the NFL at the quarterback positions, but definitely wasn't playing up Kudos to that Kudos to his agent, huh, Daniel? I mean, definitely. Because that's the thing is like, yeah, Jared Goff wasn't Sean McVay's guy, but as I've seen several people talk about, hey, he's still signed off on the big time extension. And I mean, there's a, a reason that the Patriots were able to scheme up as well as they did. And it wasn't just because, you know, Todd Gurley wasn't as good as he was 
anymore. I mean, they put up three points in the Super Bowl. So, yes, he made it there. He beat some good quarterbacks along the way, but they're trying to go for it. They knew that they weren't getting enough out of the quarterback position, and they changed that. And if it doesn't work out, now it's Sean McVay whose head's on the line. But as far as what the other offers were, it came out today that reportedly the Carolina Panthers were offering the number eight overall pick in the 2021 draft. And that's the other thing is when you're giving up first round picks like that, when you're giving up future first round picks, it's hard to know how good those are, right? And I think that's why they kind of had to add more. And obviously some of it is to take on Goff's contract. But a number eight overall pick, is that better than, you know, a 25th and a 28th pick? So I think there's obviously a lot of questions there, what the offers were from other teams. But the one that interests me as far as the Chargers are concerned, David, has to be the Broncos, who were said to not want to part with their young core, including Drew Locke. So I think that is very interesting. I mean, if the Broncos did have a chance to maybe move on from Locke, send him to the Lions and bring in Matthew Stafford. I mean, I know for me, I'm definitely glad that Matthew Stafford isn't on the Broncos. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm kind of laughing at the Broncos for not making that move. I mean, to me, I was terrified of that. I mean, I, that defense is still pretty good, and there's some weapons out there that I think were held back a little bit because of the quarterback. I mean, no offense to Drew Locke, but, I mean, he's been unspectacular at best. Uh, and I think that's why there's so many question marks about the Broncos and where they're going and if Drew Locke is the guy. I mean, it seems like the organization, that's definitely a clear vote of confidence for him. But what has he really done to deserve that? I mean, two mediocre seasons, uh, I mean, or what, one and a half or, you know, I just, I don't know. I haven't seen enough. I'm, I'm, a, I'm super happy that Matthew Stafford's going to the, is going to stay in the NFC and stay out of the AFC West because, you put him on the on the the Broncos with those weapons, with those young wide receivers and that defense, uh, that would be scary. So yeah, thank you for not making that move, and have fun in Los Angeles, Matt. And it would have been a hell of a trade for a brand new general manager, right? I mean, John Elway stepped away, George Patton ended up stepping in, and that would have been a really splashy start to go out and go get Matthew Stafford like that. And Drew Locke is one of those guys. He's really hard to gauge. I mean, there's games he looks really good. I mean, we've seen it as covering the Chargers. I mean, he's torched the Chargers at certain times, and he's also looked totally broken against the Chargers. So that's definitely a hard position to evaluate if you're the Broncos there. But now you're going on a few years now, right? How long does he have to kind of really show what he has so I think the most people were hoping his second year would be when they kind of figured out if he had it but I think it's still pretty unclear at this point they had a win now option and they didn't go for it and I do think that there is at least a difference between the Rams team and the Broncos team I do think the Rams have a better offense I mean I don't think that the Broncos were in as much of a win now scenario with Matt Stafford as the Rams are so I understand that part of it, but I did think it was interesting that they weren't willing to part with Drew Locke when they had a chance to definitely upgrade to a guy that's proven it time in and time out in the NFL and Matthew Stafford. But the other thing that you kind of alluded to a little bit is just the Chargers and the Rams trying to vie for fans in Los Angeles. And I think the biggest part of that is, is how many undecided fans in Los Angeles are there, right? How many people are really on the fence still trying to decide if they want to be Chargers or Rams fans? At this point, it hasn't been a battle. The Rams have been a much more successful team. They've made it to the Super Bowl. They got there first. I mean, they've had everything go in their favor. It's their stadium, right? And the Chargers moved into it. So, I mean, they've had all of that going for themselves. But at the same time, people flock to Super Bowls. If one of these teams gets a Super Bowl, 
they probably become the most popular team in Los Angeles. I would have to think, and I do think especially the Chargers, especially in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, Los Angeles cares about winning, and there are some, you know, places like Tampa Bay where they've won a Super Bowl, right? And they still didn't keep that fan base going for a long time. They still struggle to get fans in the seats at times. Now, obviously, all the Tampa Bay Bucks fans are back, but just because you win a Super Bowl doesn't necessarily, you know, just give you a fan base, but it would definitely draw a lot of interest in Los Angeles. So I think if the Rams win a Super Bowl before the Chargers do in Los Angeles, that will mean something as far as who is the most popular team in Los Angeles. And if you don't think these owners care about which one of their teams is more popular in Los Angeles, I mean, I don't know what to tell you because I mean, these are billionaires, David. These are guys oh, who they definitely care. have crazy they egos. They absolutely care. Yes, yeah. they have crazy egos. They want to win at everything they do. They're used to winning at everything they do. They absolutely care. I mean, the Chargers—they have a young quarterback who is, you know, taking the, you know, the league by storm. Who had one of the best rookie seasons from a quarterback in NFL history, and now young NFL head coach, a first-time head coach from with Brandon Staley. You know, I think it's, you know they, the Rams kind of feel the pressure. The Chargers are stealing some of that luster. They are built to win if they make a couple of tweaks here and there, make the right moves. The Chargers could get themselves right back in contention very quickly. And yes, if they end up winning a a Super Bowl, not only a Super Bowl, but the first Super Bowl in their franchise's history, there's no question that they will get a spotlight that they have never had before. Definitely. And I, like I said, I do think the Chargers fan base is underrated. I do think it is a lot of younger fans, honestly. I do think the Chargers at this point have a younger fan base with a lot of the older fans that were especially San Diego fans kind of fading out of the picture. And that's, I think, also why a lot of the, you know, social media attention that the Chargers get are, A, because they have a great social media team, but the amount of interaction out there shows you how big of a fan base the Chargers have out there. Are they showing up to the games? They haven't been, right? And that's the Chargers' biggest issue is, hey, you can show your support all you want, but if we don't have people in the seats, it doesn't seem like that. But I do think that, This move wasn't made necessarily as a foothold in Los Angeles kind of move. I do think that obviously plays a factor, and that's going to help them stay relevant. I mean, they've been in the news nonstop, right, over this last few days with this Matthew Stafford trade. That's all good publicity for them, whether people liked the move or they didn't. But I do think the number one thing is a guy like Sean McVay, who, you know, has a lot of similarities to Brandon Staley, didn't want to sit in that purgatory with Jared Goff, and I think he just knows that if he didn't go and get a quarterback that he thought could fully use his system, that he would have been kicking himself for moving too late in a small championship window. They see that they have a window right now. I think you have to have respect for it, but at the same time, you're going to have to keep developing those later round picks. You're going to have to keep finding ways to to fill in the rest of this roster because of the cap situation that you're in and letting guys who are big contributors go. There's a lot to think about here, but I do have to like, if when your team's going for it, there's something fun about that. The chargers go for Orlando brand jr. That's exciting. That's the chargers going for it. And I think that it's just something we haven't totally seen them go, you know, all out for it. And obviously in year one of Brandon Staley, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. I think, you know, they're going to let him, you know, try to add pieces through the draft and through free agency. Maybe not any blockbuster trades, but we can hope for someone like that. But that is going to do it for today's show. This episode was brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. 
This exciting limited edition collection of Diamond Engagement Rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively on BlueNile.com. So a special thanks to Blue Nile. Special thanks to you guys for listening to the show. Obviously, it seems like the Chargers are hiring a coach every day, so we'll be back with you guys tomorrow getting into the latest Chargers news and also probably getting into some voicemails, if not tomorrow, very soon. But if you guys want to get your voices on the show, the number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail on the show. If you guys don't already, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers, as well as giving us a follow on our new Locked On Chargers Instagram page as well at Locked On Chargers. And if you guys don't already, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. And if you guys don't mind, please help us try to get our reviews up. Please rate and review the show. It just makes us look a lot better and keeps the lights on for us. So if you guys like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review. And we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.